Hello and welcome to The Coworking Club, a podcast for female business owners who want to work for themselves, not by themselves. I'm your host Jessica Berry and each week I'll be chatting to a new guest all about the realities of running your own business, sharing tips and tricks for dealing with the loneliness and isolation that comes with working from home, as well as discussing the benefits of building community through co-working. So what are you waiting for? Come and join the club. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Coworking Club. I am so happy to have you joining me today and I have a really exciting guest interview to share with you. Today I'm welcoming designer and coach Lizzie Evans to the podcast and Lizzie is someone that I've wanted to chat to for a really long time so I'm excited to dive into her career journey so far. At the end of 2019 Lizzie made the decision to say goodbye to the bricks and mortar design shop Smug that she'd run for more than a decade in favour of pursuing new challenges within her business. Lizzie wanted to focus on building a freedom business that would better serve herself and her family but soon after making this huge life-altering decision along came COVID and the global pandemic that we've all faced this year and with it came a lot of setbacks to Lizzie's original plans. But instead of getting caught up in the negatives of the situation, Lizzie decided to spend the time working on improving her mindset and exploring new ways to bring money into her business. In the episode, I chat to Lizzie all about living with an abundance mindset, how to step into your role as a leader and an expert, as well as why your comfort zone might not be serving you in the way that you think. It was an absolute pleasure to chat to Lizzie. She shares so much amazing advice in this episode about up-leveling your mindset and I really hope that you enjoy listening to our conversation. So without further ado, here it is. Hi Lizzie, thank you so much for joining me today. Hiya, thank you for having me Jessica. So do you want to just dive straight in and tell us a little bit about yourself, your career history so far and the background behind your business? Of course. So my name's Lizzie Evans. I started my business by launching um, a design store called Smug in Islington in London uh, just over 10 years ago, or nearly no longer than that, 12 years ago, I started the process. Um, I studied interior architecture and I went into that thinking that I might want to be an interior designer, but I came out of it knowing that actually I wanted to build my own thing. I wanted to build kind of like a beautiful home that people could come into and, and see what products would look like in that context and understand what that might be like for them to buy it and take it home and put it in their own home. So I did that instead. So I basically came out of uni and found a space and cracked on. We had to do loads of work to the building. So it was a really slow beginning, but I um, I was getting on with it for, for a good while before we opened. And then we opened in June of 2009 and then it just grew and grew and my team grew and it was wonderful. And then retail, I suppose, was less doing less well there were the crashes and things so it became harder work to maintain the same kind of income from it and generate as much for the team who were there but more than that 
over the time I was adding all of these other things because I'm somebody who basically has an idea and then wants to implement it. I don't <laughs> tend to be as good at letting things go as like putting things down as picking things up. So I'm like, oh, okay, I, I love podcasts. I'm going to have a podcast. And then I'll be like, oh, I'm really loving all this self-development work that I've been doing um, and really seeing how that's affected my life and my business. Oh, I want to share that with other people. I'm going to start running workshops. And oh, the plan has always been to launch my own um, product collection. And now I'm doing that too. So (laughs) as all of those things grew and as I found that people wanted to know about the person behind the brand, not just follow the brand, I kind of found myself becoming somebody on Instagram with a YouTube channel and all of those kind of things. And uh, it got to the 10 year mark of Smug. And I realized that actually, maybe we'll go into this more later, but actually I didn't want to have a bricks and mortar store anymore. Mm -hmm. So that was my background. I'm now obviously COVID willing in this position of building a different business that is an extension of everything that I have done, but I no longer have the ties to having to have a bricks and mortar store. So what the plan was versus reality is quite different. And I guess we'll go into that. So it's a more unusual introduction than I would normally give because if it was a few months ago, if it was before March, I'd have been saying, and then so the plan is I'm going to do this, this and this, and then I won't need to have that and I'll focus on this. And actually none of those things have been what I was expecting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have accounted for what was going to happen this year, could Mm -hmm. you? And oh my goodness, yeah. What a time to make such a big change as well. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So as you just mentioned earlier this year, you made the huge decision to close your amazing shop smug which you'd run for the past 10 years. So I guess you just talked a little bit about what prompted the change, but were you ever apprehensive about taking kind of such a leap into into the unknown, I suppose? I had always thought that I was building something that I was going to keep wanting to do into my 60s. I thought that I was building something that my children would have weekend jobs at. And that was very much my vision for having a shop. Like I wanted to be a shopkeeper and build that and hold that space for other people to come and be part of and people to have a job at. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that at the 10 year mark, so I'm I'm pretty good at sort of, as I say, I'm really interested in self-development and I'm pretty good at wanting to look at my personal wins and how things feel. And so knowing that I was coming up to the 10 year mark, I wanted to do some reflection. And actually it wasn't till I did that reflection that I realized that the way that I have to work because of having a bricks and mortar store was no longer the way I wanted my life to look. So the responsibility of actually having a building that you need to be in or staff that you need to be taking good care of while they're doing their jobs. So I had a baby in 2013 and that, oh, 2013, no, that's not right. I got married in 2013, he'd be seven. Um, (laughs) I had a baby um, two years ago and that kind of shifted things as well. And on on the one front, it made me realize how I could delegate much more. He came a month early. And so in one way, it was wonderful because my team just had to step up and they were amazing and so supportive and did such a brilliant job 
that when I did start going back to work quite soon afterwards, it was evident that this extra responsibility they'd taken on was really working for them. And so I wasn't going to go in and just take that back. And then it gave me the opportunity to do more of the things that I'd wanted to do already. So just in a side note, that experience of forced kind of um, delegation was really good for me and good for them because they got to take more responsibility. But as it gradually um, developed, I just wanted to not have to be there and I wanted to focus on different parts of my work and I wanted to be able to work from home it is amazing to get your business to a point that you don't have to be there and other people are there but I kind of still always felt like I wonder how they're doing and how is it going and I hope they're not bored and um, if there is ever an emergency you it is down to you if something gets stolen you get notified you know there's never really when it's your shop a complete like okay I'm not responsible today I felt like I was responsible even if I wasn't there and I wanted to let that go um but it wasn't till the 10 year mark that I even knew that stopping was an option like I felt like my identity was very wrapped up in smug and I started it when I was 23 basically like planning it so it was very intertwined into who I was. So there was apprehension to the degree that it would be sad to let it go, but there wasn't apprehension in that I knew that what I wanted was a freedom business that would work for me now. And that it made me recognize that in starting Smug, that's what I was creating for myself. I was creating a freedom business where I didn't have a boss. I didn't have to dance to somebody else's tune. I could really build something and do exactly what I wanted to do, which was wonderful. But actually it got to, it had got to a size and I had got to a point in my life that a freedom business looked quite different. So it was very clear that I wanted to close in order to build that. Telling the staff felt really, really hard. But Manolia, who had worked with me for years and years and years, um, when I told her, she actually said to me, okay, I was thinking that this is the year that I need to move home to Holland. And so actually that when that clicked into place and I knew that I wasn't letting her down and that it was the right time for her to move on to, that made it feel so much better. Like that was the thing that I was worrying about was basically ending people's jobs because I didn't want to anymore so when that fell into place like that I was like this is right this is definitely so that was a real relief and then <laughs> after that it just it felt sad to say goodbye to customers but it just felt right I guess it's like the emotional ties isn't it like you would have with anything that you've done for such a long period of time it's going to be difficult to change that and, and say goodbye to something that's been such a huge part of your life yeah and it's only just starting to feel real in a way now because I have on Monday given keys to the new tenants of the building. So I own the building. Mm-hmm. So in this weird way, Smug has been over, but the building, had, because of COVID, hadn't been able to become something else. And I think that is the part, is part of the adjustment process of seeing that space become a different thing rather than just being an empty space. I think that will make it feel more real as that happens. Yeah, it might help to let it go and yeah, see it serving a new purpose and bringing someone else joy. Yeah. And I can really relate to that actually because in March I was about ready to sign a contract for a lease on a property to have a full-time co-working space and it was only really when COVID came along um, that I took a step back from that and thought it's probably not the right time to to get into that. And during kind of the lockdown and, and the mm-hmm. six months that have followed, it's allowed me to 
really think about whether that was what I wanted and whether I wanted to be you know tied to a space um five days a week and and have all of that extra responsibility so Mm. yeah I can definitely relate to to that element and speaking of COVID obviously you made this kind of huge decision just as COVID struck and the whole of the UK went into a lockdown how did this impact the plans that you had and how did you deal with that setback yeah so massively and it it was it actually hit our family sooner because my dad got it right at the beginning um so he had had an he had had a trip in Spain and he got back and he had it and we hadn't seen him but obviously like we'd seen my mum who lives with him Mm -hmm. and so we needed to quarantine so we actually did that two weeks before lockdown happened and he's fine he had to go to hospital it was all very scary but he's completely fine Um, but it meant that our lockdown actually happened two weeks before and we were all in that bubble of doing that and then we were like okay so from Monday we can live a normal life again and then it was like the official lockdown so what my plan had been so the last day of trading for smug was the 31st of January and my plan had been to take six weeks off so till the middle of March and then to spend six weeks like dreaming and thinking about what I wanted to do and just spending loads of time kind of meditating and thinking and learning and making marks and just being really creative with making patterns but also with my mind and then none of those things could happen so it was a weird one. So I still don't really feel like I had the any time off. Like the plan was, oh, I've just had a business for, I mean, we were open for over 10 years, but it was more than that to make it happen. So I've been busy, really busy for like 12 years. I, I'm going to have six weeks to just play. And then that didn't happen. And then I was like, the six weeks to be creative, that didn't happen. We were just sort of in pa- panic stations with with the family and health and stuff. So I think the first bit was just, oh, okay, well, that's all going to be on hold then. Fine. I'm quite a resilient person. I love spending time with my son. I'm just going to be at home playing with Stan. Dan's furloughed, so he's at home. We're just going to make this like a staycation and do what we can do. And for the first bit, that was really lovely. Um, And we were like, oh, lots of people are having a really hard time and we feel a bit guilty because actually we're having a really nice time. But then it became evident that, my the people I was going to move in that obviously then fell through when that you know a big part of why it was okay for me to end smug was because I'd got to a stage where I was able to buy the building and I knew I could move tenants in and that could be my income instead um then that fell through so that was tricky but I was like okay we're gonna find the next people but then I heard um from the council that I had to pay business rates so I don't know if people know this, but generally um, people who own properties or run businesses in properties had a rent free, uh, had a business rates holiday of at least a year. And I wasn't going to get that. So I couldn't run my business there, but I wasn't going to get that. I was having to pay like up to £2,000 a month from my savings for a space that I couldn't use and I couldn't let out. So it was one of those stories of like that massive loophole of, oh, well, this is the support we're giving and we're giving these grants and you get this holiday. But I wasn't eligible for that, but I also wasn't allowed to run any kind of business from there. So that's the point at which I was like, this isn't fun anymore. Like I feel really angry and this isn't okay. And I don't know how this is gonna pan out. Like, I don't know what we're gonna do. So that at that point, it got all quite stressful. So yeah, I mean, it's quite, it's been quite a long 
journey at some point I just decided that I was done with being stressed about it and you can fall into this kind of like victim mentality to a certain extent and I had the privileged position of choosing not to be there anymore and to focus on a more positive mindset and how I could do things differently and how I could be kind of creative with how I was going to make money and I decided to just try and find positives and I started doing that instead and I've forgotten what your question was sorry <laughs> they're quite big questions so they can take me off in all different tangents <laughs> okay I, yeah I love diving deeper into it but it leads on very nicely to the next question actually because as you just mentioned it kind of you chose to make that conscious decision to move towards focusing the positives and up leveling your mindset during this time so do you have any tips for channeling an abundance mindset especially I guess during difficult periods like we're currently in Mm. well I think that it is easier for people who have a place where they can feel safe it's all about safety and for so many different types of people of being aware of that feeling of safety and knowing where you can be to feel safe is so much easier for some people than others and it is I'm very lucky in that I'm in a position that I can feel safe there are people of different minorities and different intersections and have different circumstances where safety isn't just a natural thing that they feel. But leaning into that place of safety and focusing on a growth mindset rather than a lack mindset of just even when things for me, it was okay, this is this is rubbish. And often as women, and again, it gets kind of even even more difficult the more intersections we are facing or part of based on what the world tells us that if something doesn't go the way that we want it to, we're no good at this, we can't do this, we should give up, we're a failure. That kind of lack mindset as opposed to the growth mindset of just simply believing and registering the fact that things can and will change. And very often we don't have complete control over that change, but literally the universe is changing constantly and all of the time so it's just accepting the fact that change is actually normal and very likely to happen but as I say I am and was in a privileged enough position to know that I was safe and when your worst case scenario is well if everything goes horribly wrong we have family who can put a roof over our heads I'm aware that not everybody has that but we were in a position that it was like, look, we've got some savings. We just have to keep going and see what happens next. And so for me, the growth mindset was focusing on the creativity of how could I experiment? How can I look at different ways that I could use this time that would feel really good and look back on them feeling like, well, that was an important part of my journey. I'm never going to feel grateful for COVID. And, you know, the, it's been completely horrific, the number of lives lost and the experiences of so many people and, you know, the huge, huge suffering. But I can look back at some of the time and think, okay, I've learned this and I've used that time for this. And that's been really important for me developmentally. So that was where my mindset kind of work went because it just got to a point where I was sort of feeling a bit dragged down into being a victim and experiencing all of the negatives and I had the opportunity to choose not to feel like that anymore which as I say I realize not everybody does but for people who do and and can do that mindset like reframe that was massively beneficial to me 
Yeah, I think that's really important. And what advice would you give to any listeners who want to kind of work on and improve their mindset? What kind of key areas, I guess, would you focus on and start with? Mm. Well, it's interesting you should say that. I'll give you a link to this is this is specifically money focused. So I'll talk about stuff that isn't specifically money focused. But I will give you a link to a workbook that I wrote um, during this time called Five Ways to Uplevel Your Money Mindset Today. And actually, when it comes to mindset, pretty much the work is always the same. And then you focus on a goal. So I think all of the things in that workbook would be a really helpful thing to work through, whether it's really it's abundance like when it comes to money really it's feeling like there is plenty whether that's money or whether that's anything that you need so it's worth going and having a look at that if you want like a tangible thing to work through for mindset but I would say gratitude is major so if you can get yourself into a place where you feel like there are things to list down that you feel grateful for. I'm a really strong believer in writing things down with a pen in a notebook. That is your kind of place that you go to do this kind of work and to spend that time on yourself. So that when you pick up that notebook, you're kind of going into that that place. Meditation for me is major. I've had times where I've been able to do that and times that that was just unrealistic because we're here with a toddler (laughs) and that's not always an option and you know leaving the building much less like normally I would if if that were the case then I'd make a habit of going and meditating somewhere else but that's not really an option either so just finding the seasons where I can do that and where it feels possible but not feeling guilty when I can't it's all of the kind of self-care stuff but with the growth mindset wrapped in of just the trust that things are going to change being grateful for the things that you have. And then if you want to go deeper into it, I mean, that's the that's the right starting point. If you kind of develop a practice of this mindfulness, then it's worth getting to a stage where you're actually thinking about your own personal values and how you want to spend your time and what your priorities are. And then even setting goals and looking at ways of achieving what it is that you want to achieve. But depending on your own personal experience in life and just who you are as a person, your personality Some of that will sound intimidating or or some of that will sound stressful. So just depending on what feels good for you, like the starting point, I think, is the is the gratitude and the giving yourself space and checking in with working out what you need and just taking some time to step back from the rest of the world and have some time for yourself. But yeah, as I say, you can go you can go deeper into it with more specific tools. And I do coach quite a lot about all of that stuff. But the yeah, the foundations I think we've talked about. Yeah, I love that. Gratitude something that I've definitely added into my routine over the last year. And I've seen that it's made such a difference just in terms of my outlook and being a lot more positive and, and actually like purposefully searching for those positives in every day as well, which is something that I wouldn't have done previously, I don't think. And mm-hmm. it is a really easy one to add into your routine because it takes a couple of minutes every morning or evening whenever you choose to to do it so yeah it's a really good starting point yeah and also community like where you can find it like-minded people who are kind of of reminding you of your values and building that up and sort of solidifying those feelings of growth and abundance and a positive mindset rather than if you're a social media person which you probably are if you're listening to a podcast rather than scrolling through things that actually bring you down and make you not feel great 
you know, kind of curating what you're looking at and the places that you're going and the people that you're kind of engaging with to feel positive and reinforce the mindset that you want to have. And that's how I've ended up offering group coaching programs. And now I'm launching a membership next year because I've learned how powerful those communities are in terms of people's mental health and personal development and in growing their businesses. So yeah, that having people around you who get it. Yes, I love that. How exciting about the membership because yeah, obviously I know firsthand how important it is and with our online membership that I created during lockdown, like we have a Slack channel. So like I know if I, whenever I go on the Slack channel, which is multiple times a day, I know that it's filled with like positivity and everyone kind Mm -hmm. of cheering each other on and encouraging and supporting one another. And like, I just know when I go on there, I'm going to leave feeling great, which you can't always say the same thing for scrolling on social Mm -hmm. media. So I like that it's a lot more kind of controlled yeah. and you know you're gonna what you're gonna get from it, I suppose. So during lockdown you launched what you described as your first kind of proper life coaching offering and you spoke about some of the struggles you faced in taking up more space online. Do you want to share a little bit about how you worked through some of these challenges? Hmm. So for me, a lot of it was just about noticing. Um I have been somebody who essentially, I suppose, sells for over a decade because I've had a shop and you you buy the products and then display them and people come and purchase them from you. And that is selling. That's offering people to come and buy from you. And I'm very comfortable with that. But then having to do it without the bricks and mortar store felt very, very different. It's been a really interesting and valuable Um, experience this year in learning more about selling from different angles and because with Smug I always very much saw selling as just people having the opportunity to buy you've built something you're sharing something and they can come in and have a look around and buy or not buy and that's all of those options are totally fine but then the I also know the science behind selling that very often the norm is that people will need to see or hear your message up to seven times before they consider actually following the message or really hearing the message or acting on the message. And so with a bricks and mortar store, that's literally people coming and having a look around, going off for a cup of tea, coming back in the afternoon, maybe seeing something online in in advance, you know, eventually they have enough touch points that they're like, yes, I definitely do want that cushion or vase or whatever it is. And that can happen quite organically without you. Whereas if you don't have a bricks and mortar store and the way that you are sharing what you're doing is showing up online, you have to get comfortable with repeating yourself. And in terms of just my my everyday life and my relationships and my personality, I hate repeating myself. <laughs> I hate it. Like to the point that I get more frustrated than most people would for having to, if my husband asked me, asked me where something is and I say, I find it really annoying that he just will keep asking because it's this mentality. Sorry, Dan, I'm doing him down slightly. <laughs> but this mentality of like, I don't really need to listen because I know you know the answer. So I'll just ask again. And actually, I find that quite disrespectful of people's time and energy. And I feel as though it's really important to me to be someone that is always listening and that I don't ever need to be told twice and that when somebody communicates something with me I'm going to remember and I'm going to remember it's important to them even if it's like how they take their tea you know I want to 
be listening and taking in that information so that that person feels known and that the next time I go to make them a cup of tea, they don't even need to tell me, I don't need to ask. And I just know, I really like that feeling. So I already had these, and to me, they were positive things, but essentially issues around the story of showing up and repeating yourself. Mm -hmm. But based on the fact that I know the, I know the science of needing to do it and that people need to hear things and particularly on Instagram you can't assume everyone's hearing everything just because you say it once and I teach this stuff myself you know I teach a module on selling and selling as you are Um, and so I know this stuff but having to just turn up and say the same things over and over and over again at least that's what it feels like even though you're being creative and talking in different ways being in that place of I'm selling this thing to you rather than I suppose what I recognize as somebody just wandering into my shop and liking something and buying it and then leaving and it's no pressure for a while that felt quite different and that was how I felt sort of June July and I feel very differently now having done a lot more self-development work and coaching of other people and diving into this stuff much more but yeah it felt it felt a bit uncomfortable and also the other the other piece of the puzzle is that the first program that I offered I didn't say I was coaching I called it a book club and I knew that I wanted to go into coaching but I didn't feel like I had the gravitas that I was comfortable with saying it was a coaching program so I said it was a book club people signed up and the point was obviously I'm still it's worth you know paying to be part of this because I'm holding this space and I'm doing this work and I'm going to run the whole thing Mm -hmm. but I wasn't calling myself a coach and then we started and then I just coached but I kind of had to call it something else and then do it and then check it was okay. And then I could step into it. So the second time I ran Up Level Your Money Mindset with me, I called it a group coaching program and that's what it was. And so it's interesting, I almost had to do it the first time around, like pretending I wasn't really coaching, even though I was to get used to it. Yeah. And again, that's another thing about taking up space and just being prepared to say like, I'm really good at this thing or I know about this thing and I can help you and I there's some things I could teach you if you're interested. It's getting comfortable with being able to say that and it not feel arrogant or anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember you talking about that on your podcast actually and saying that partway through kind of the first program you realized that you were actually coaching yeah and you were kind of doing it and and getting good results and everyone was enjoying it so do you have any advice for anyone who might be struggling to step into that role I guess as an expert or a leader Mm -hmm. I think that it's just it can be as simple as acknowledging that there are always people who haven't in this particular area got to where you are yet Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you're saying you're some you know expert world leader that knows everything about everything but you have lived what you've lived and you've had the experiences that you've had and you've learned and you are at a point where you feel that you're ready to share this with other people and there will be people who need to hear the things that you're going to say there'll be people who are further on than you that's always going to be true but they don't need to be the people who sign up for the course so just offering what you have where you're at now and trusting that there'll be people who that's right for is completely fine that's how it works there aren't really people out there who can be the epitome of anything you know you can just offer what you've got where you're at and that's why I'm so passionate about people selling as they are and just you know nothing needs to be perfect you don't need to promise to have all of the answers you can't even promise to 
do the work for people they have to do it Mm -hmm. but you can guide them and 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 share what has worked for you and your experiences and what you've learned Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's so important so I've seen you talk quite a lot about comfort zones this year do you think that getting out of your comfort zone has been vital in the growth and the development that you've experienced yeah I think it's been major 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 and I did a podcast recording about this, but basically getting out of your comfort zone used to literally feel to me like the worst thing you could possibly do. Like why on earth would you not want to be comfortable? Like to me, it was like um, that feeling of getting out from a lovely, like cozy duvet in your bed and stepping onto the floor with naked feet and it being like freezing cold stone. And like, why on earth would I want to go there? I want to get straight back in again. That's how I felt about the idea of leaving your comfort zone. It was like leaving your lovely snug nest. And now I feel completely differently. Again, because of my experience of really being passionate about personal development and the reading that I've done and the coaching that I've had and the things that I've worked through, I really see that for me, it's it's often when I take a leap, which is essentially the same as getting out of your comfort zone. But when I do something that feels different from what I'd normally be doing, and not just the kind of default programming of what I do, that's where there's real growth and excitement and stretching that feels really good. And that's where I get to not just who I am now in terms of what other people see but like the who I am that is my favorite bits of me and the parts of me that I want to lean into more that maybe I don't and that feels amazing that doesn't feel like a freezing cold floor that feels wonderful that feels like you're using parts of yourself that it's kind of like I don't know if any of you listening actually like exercise so it doesn't have to be exercise but that kind of endorphins that you get from certain things that you do where you feel like you've stretched. It's like the you get those endorphins of, I've done this thing and I've tried a new thing and I'm learning and I'm growing. And yeah, it feels amazing. So I now feel really positive about getting out of my comfort zone. And the language now, like the idea of a comfort zone doesn't, like there's no connection to the word comfort really in it for me now. Like it, it sounds like somewhere where you just stagnate and stay the same and there wouldn't be any kind of growth or excitement or stretching or enlightenment or so yeah comfort zone for me now feels like a negative thing when before I'd be like why would I leave here I like it here (laughs) yeah that's so true and a different way to look at it isn't it I don't know if you would agree but from my experience it is quite a lot easier as well to stay in your comfort zone when you work for yourself and when you're a business owner because it's very easy to define like Mm. these are the products or services or whatever it might be that I feel comfortable creating and putting out there And I'll just stick to that. And there's no one there to push you, I suppose, unless you're within some sort of group or community or doing some sort of coaching or something like that. So yeah, 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 I think it is important to take on that role yourself and push yourself to take some leaps and try new things. And exactly what you said, that's where it's where the growth happens. Yeah. And that's where I'm quite lucky that I'm an ideas person, because I'll have an idea and be like, oh, I really want to do that thing. And if I'm particularly, if it feels really way out of my comfort zone, it might take a long, longer to happen than other things. But I like the fact that I'm somebody who has an idea and then wants to act on it because then it feels a little bit less terrifying to do new things. It's kind of like baby steps. And then you get to the place that you're like, oh, I'm I'm here. I didn't even realize that I was trying all these new things. And suddenly I'm doing this completely different thing that I love. And it feels 
like I've done it kind of in an aligned way that I was truly just being myself all the way rather than catapulting myself into something else that felt terrifying Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense so you seem to have really kind of flourished over the past six seven months and even despite everything that's come your way and, and any struggles and things like that and I've seen you share that you've never felt as aligned to the work that you're currently mm. doing do you have any advice that you would give to business owners who don't currently feel like the work they're doing is in alignment their goals and visions where do you kind of start with this because I know it can feel like quite a big thing to face and tackle and yeah um I would say that the starting point is getting really really honest about what you want your life to look like and going into that knowing that it's okay if that's not at all what it looks like now Mm -hmm. but just going into that like what do like doing a bit of dreaming like what do what really is important to me what do I really want my life to look like what are my values what is my why am I actually really living those values so sometimes I will get people to kind of like grade out of 10 how lived out those values are in your life so if for example like creativity or freedom are your one of your values like on a scale of one to ten how are you prioritizing that are you actually being creative or is it that creative is creativity is hugely important to you but you have no time for it anymore because that creates a much better picture of whether you're really living your values or not. And with some of them, like creativity, it might be as simple as I'm not doing that thing that makes my heart sing and is why I am who I am. How can I just find a bit more time to be doing that? Sometimes it can be a simpler tweak as that. In other situations, people will realize like I'm not actually working on what I want to be working on. I want the, I want my career to look very different than it does now. And in those circumstances, just knowing that it's okay that you where, you are where you are right now, like where you are right now is okay. And it's looking for how to, in a way that makes you feel safe, but still excited and keeping that passion, what are the small steps that you could make to move towards what you really want? because we can't all just wave a magic wand and be like, oh, actually, I want to be an actor. Or, you know, so I'm not sort of suggesting that there's a world where you can all just say, well, these are my values. I'm going to pack in everything that I do now and start again. And for some people, that is absolutely the best way to do it. So I'm not saying no one should do that, but it's different for every single human. And that's okay. Like everybody's journeys are different and that's okay. So you are where you are in your journey. The world is a complete shit show I'm sorry I didn't answer I could swear at the moment and that is a part of all of our stories and in some ways that will limit what we are capable of doing but it in other ways we let it get in the way and it doesn't actually stop us from doing what we need to do so it's also just having I suppose the passion and the resilience to do what you really want to do, even if it feels a bit scary and just taking those steps of how can I be living now what I want to happen later. And I do quite a lot of work around what I call, and because I learned it from Tara Moore, who wrote the amazing book, Playing Big. Mm -hmm. I do quite a lot of work around your inner mentor or some people call it like your future self or your wiser self, but just trusting the fact that you already are the person who knows how to make those dreams come true. It's tapping into that part of you who already has the answers, like you already are enough, but it's 
it's allowing yourself the time and the grace to connect with that wisdom and take those baby steps and try and drown out the noise of all of the madness yeah because it can be so daunting to um be at that first kind of place in the journey can't it with the whole road ahead but mm. yeah I guess you just need to get clear on that vision and know why exactly you're you're trying to make that happen and move towards that that bigger goal mm. and I think what's so important as well that sometimes people forget is really like connecting with the emotions around your why and for some people your why will be like hugely emotional and it will be I want to build this thing and and, um, be able to support my family or I want to be able to do this thing to spend more time with my children or when it's about relationship that why is particularly strong and the emotions in it if it isn't that for you and it's a completely different kind of why there will still be emotion in it but you need to unpack that and really lead in lean into how Does that make you feel like how will that affect you? How will that affect the people you love? What impact will that have? So that your why is really solid and strong and immovable so that when things get in the way that make you feel like packing it in and that you're not actually good enough, going back to that why is really important to help you keep going because we do question everything we do, particularly as creative entrepreneurs and people who work for themselves, but everybody does. But it's so easy as women in the kind of, entrepreneurial world to just be drowned out by oh I'm being silly oh this isn't realistic or this space isn't for me I knew I couldn't do this that that inner critic comes in so loud that practicing your gratitude but also really knowing your why and the emotions around your why really helps carry you through till you get to a place where you're feeling really aligned and great about it again Mm-hmm. yeah I think that's amazing advice to end on there <laughs> I don't think we can really beat that <laughs> so finally the question that I'm asking all of my guests is if location wasn't a factor which three fellow business owners would you like to be in your co-working club I feel like this is such a cool idea <laughs> I it's a funny one because some of the things that I'm most inspired by are really nearby but then I kind of felt like I should pick things that are more far away and exciting. (laughs) So there are some people that I've worked with recently that either I've been coaching or I've been part of group coaching programs. And you know, when you have that opportunity to just have a little insight into how people work or who they are, and it's quite inspiring. Mm -hmm. So the people that I would say where I am at the moment, there's um, a woman called Laura Park who has a brand called Dear Prudence Studio. And it will, I would love the idea of having a co-working space that I got to talk to her every day. And our work's so different, but I feel like we have really interesting conversations and I love that. But also it's tricky because she's one of my, one of the people in my coaching program. And then I feel like it's like picking favorites, which it isn't. <laughs> I just kind of feel like that would be really nice. And then like, if I got to work with Manolia again, I would love that. So Manolia worked at Smug for, I think like six or seven years. And now they're back in Holland and she is an amazing illustrator and photographer and she did such cool workshops at Smug and it's really weird because when they left we thought we were doing this thing that it was like well we'll come and visit and then suddenly the the cord is cut and it's like oh we like have no relationship now and I would love the idea of being able to be in a co-working space with her and then I was thinking about like who who would I just want to like soak in everything that they were doing and be really inspired by them and want to learn to be more like them in the way that they work. And so maybe this would be a strange combination of people. But Christina Carlson, who is the founder of Kiki K, the stationery brand, mm-hmm. I feel like 
getting to be in her co-working space, you would just learn so much by osmosis that I would be able to build the parts of my product business to a place that felt like really exciting and kind of out of this world. So I feel like that's kind of a good combination of people. But if you asked me on another day, it would be completely different people. (laughs) I love that. Just keep switching it up. But yeah, it sounds like a very inspiring group to be around. (laughs) So to end, you just want to let people know where they can find you online? Yes. So on Instagram, I'm Lizzie for Smug and my website is lizzieforsmug.com. I also have a podcast called How to Curate Your Life, Work-Life Balance for the Creative Entrepreneur. So I show up there quite a lot. I also have a blog that is attached to my website. And as I said, I will let Jessica have the link to my free workbook if people are interested in abundance mindset work. That's a really good thing to read. And also I have various facebook groups for the different programs that i run and the membership launching next year but really the best thing to do is sign up to my newsletter if you're interested in that or follow me on instagram because that's where people are going to hear how to get involved in that if they're interested i also run lots of free workshops so yeah (laughs) amazing so much going on (laughs) (laughs) that's how i like it yeah well thank you so much for joining me today it's been lovely to chat thank you so much for having me jessica i really appreciate it if you enjoy this podcast, please do subscribe so you keep up to date with all of future episodes. And if you could possibly leave a review, it would really help us in this early stage of launching the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you back here next Monday. <laughs>